Hello, everyone, and welcome to At WCSU, the award-winning podcast that conveys true understanding of Western Connecticut State University. I'm Paul Steinmetz, and with Pete Puccio, we have a different kind of presentation today. The university community lost one of its revered professors in October, Margaret Grimes, and we are going to talk with several former students about Margaret and her effect on their lives. Margaret taught art at WestCon from 1980 to 2012, and among her academic achievements was the creation in 2000 of the Master of Fine Arts degree in Visual Arts, at the time one of only three MFA art programs in Connecticut. She was married to another WestCon art professor, John Wallace, and as you will hear, she was known for her eclectic dress and her bright orange hair. She was also an accomplished artist known for her paintings of nature. She herself said of her art, I desire to find the abstract in the natural and by close observation of the intensity of individual moments, approach the transcendent. This podcast came about only with the push and organizing skills of Lori Robot, who is an artist and instructor, as well as the visual arts assistant for the WCSU School of Visual and Performing Arts. Lori works part-time, but devotes a full-time work week to the university, and I am indebted to her for her support here. Today, we will hear from six former students, Megan Martin, Chris Donnelly, Ivel Kovner, Tony Zatzik, Tiffany Johnson, and Antonio Carvalho, all of whom were students in the MFA program and in some cases worked with Margaret after they graduated. So to begin our final podcast of 2020, we will go to Tiffany Johnson and Antonio Carvalho. Tiffany and Tony met in the MFA program and are now married with a young son, as you will hear. Tiffany began the program in 2010. Tony started in 2011. Tony is teaching at Gateway Community College, teaching art, and Tiffany works with nonprofits in the arts and is teaching art at Southern. So how did Margaret influence you? Well, for me, Margaret kind of came into my life, you know, right after I had lost my father. Mm. And, you know, here was this lady, um, call her, you know, the Miss uh, Redhead in um, fashion apparel. And um, she was a really uh, positive voice as far as like, well, you know, you can still pursue your art, but you just have to keep the faith. And that's one thing that I, I'm realizing the more that I go into um, the arts, you know, it's not like a, you're not like a millionaire or anything, but you know, it's perseverance. She kind of taught me and um, just integrity of the field. That's what I got from her. I remember she was very generous as far as her um, knowledge and her um, her genuine care. I felt that she really did care a lot for um, students and just people that she you know connected. Yes. How about you, Antonio? Well, um, I remember first meeting Margaret when I was um, sort of testing out things and seeing if I uh, wanted to go for for my degree and. Uh, um, someone, uh, I don't know if it was a, uh, uh, my advisor told me I should keep talking to her at a certain point. And I ran into her in the hallway at one point. And, um, that was my first meeting with her. And, um, I just remember, I felt like I was, uh, as I was talking to her and I was telling her my interest in the art program, um, I felt like, uh, she was talking to me so intensely. I felt like I was kind of being jacked up against the wall in the hallway. And um, and that's when I realized that she really did, uh, you know, had an, an intense interest in art and other people who wanted to uh, pursue that. She kind of engaged them in that, uh, in that, in that, in a kind of similar intensity. And uh, I was moved by that because that to me is, uh, is important. Uh, uh, and, um, there were things that she said that just, uh, you either quote, uh, I usually quote other artists or, uh, and 
they were just very strong images that also in, engaged me a lot. Um, mm -hmm. I remember her once talking about, uh, in a crypt, talking about being in the tunnel of work, like when you're working in a, in a, in a, in working, working out some problems artistically, it's like going into a tunnel and you're kind of in a, a dark place until you come out the other end, the other end of the light, you know? And mm -hmm. um, another thing, she just had a deep reverence for art. I remember her quoting Edward Monk saying that uh, when you stand before uh, a work of art, uh, you know, it, it, it makes you want to take off your hat. And I think she almost said kneel because it was like a kind of a sacred experience. So all that was very, um, was very uh, engaging for me and I felt connected to it. I was not, you know, I was an administrator at the university and actually I knew her before that a little bit, but uh, she always seemed kind of intimidating to me because <laughs> of that intensity. But it sounds like um, you were not intimidated by her. No. It was more engaging. Yeah. She had a personality, though, but I mean, it was just a part of who she was. She could be kind of intimidating, but not in a horrible way for me, at least not for me. Or, I don't know about you. No, for me, her her uh, her passion for art energized me. And, uh, you know, it was more than just reading about art in a textbook. It was like here was someone who was a like a, an energetic personality that had she had immersed herself in it, in it. and uh, practically seemed like anybody that was alive, it's almost like she, she'd met them or had a relationship with these contemporary artists. And uh, I, I, I knew of some of the, some artists myself, and uh, she would say something like, um, what's the artist that I'm thinking of? Oh, the artist Paul Cadmus. And I mentioned him out of the blue, and she said, oh, I was at his birthday party last year. You know, and um, it was just amazing. I... I never met someone that had that was so connected to other artists and who who had such energy to talk about art and mm -hmm. uh, felt so so deeply about it. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Tiffany, her the way she uh, dressed and presented herself. It was um, she was not trying to uh, hide. No, and that's you know like I love. I love that about her because she was like genuinely just her own category. Like, I mean, I love clothes, like especially um, fashion um, as far as like second-handed clothes, which I have <laughs> nothing against. Um, man, she was great with colors. Yeah. I thought, you know, she was just genuinely like a lady in a, uh -huh. in a way. <laughs> She was very confident in the way she presented herself. Yes. So I, you know, I just valued her personality and um, her generosity and um, her nurturing and, um, and being like a guiding um, influence as far as like, you know, you could be anywhere in your life and, you know, you could always pick up your painting even if life when life is hard you know you can always go back to it yeah i, I feel like she was really nurturing of, of us as students and um that that's an important thing i mean to feel that the uh the coordinator feels a certain investment in your uh in your growth as an artist and that also was uh you know motivating and energizing itself yeah and the thing that um got me most. It's like, you know, we're in Connecticut. Um, I remember Margaret mentioning, you know, the MFA program at West Ham is kind of based on UPenn's um, curriculum. Uh -huh. That's because that was her, that was her grad school too. I think so, yeah. So, I mean, at the time for, you know, it didn't feel like, you know, it was some big program for me, but, you know, I realized looking back, I mean, it was a good program for what it was. Yep. And it's always growing and it's still growing. That's thing I think that's what we want, including the professors that um put together and the administrators that put together that program. Mm -hmm. Yes. No, that's good. Uh 
You answered my questions. Do you have anything that you wanted to add that you were thinking about before the uh, podcast? I think uh, Margaret had a warmth of heart and um, and she had uh, her mind, she had a, her mind was like uh, just stored with so much um, like um, like I've mentioned before, quotes from artists and things that he'd in communicating with other artists, things that that, that 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 were in her mind that she remembered, and she just communicated them with such um, with uh, with a kind of inspiration that was contagious yeah. uh, to us. Yeah, I miss Margaret. I miss her. Um, she was always encouraging. I, I'll I'll say that. Mm-hmm. That's good. Just as you would hope, right? I Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Ivel Kovner was the first student to graduate from the MFA program that Margaret Grimes founded at West Cotton. I think it was the moment when Margaret was able to connect our fine art explorations with Jane Goodall's scientific explorations and very uh, close in uh, allowing us to see the connections. Um, while Jane Goodall was giving her lecture at WestCon, our paintings that we had researched uh, in woods and forests around WestCon were surrounding her. And as she talked about uh, observing her chimpanzees, I was thinking of Margaret's work. And Margaret, when you look at one of her paintings, first of all, the size, takes over and you feel included in the setting. And the way she would approach tangled brambles and um, hidden bush with uh, all the light filtering down, that's what she documented. And it was as scientific artistically and documentation as anyone could imagine. Jane Goodall that day um, was very appreciative because she told me she had never been asked to uh, recite the poem she wrote after the death of her husband. And uh, that day she read her poem out loud. So we were all doing something a little out of our comfort zones and sharing together. Right. Which was, I'm sure, what Margaret was trying to get at when she arranged all that, too. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Now, you were in the first class of the MFA program. Is that correct? The first class. And uh, I was the first graduate because after a year and a half, I was finished. Huh. Thanks to Margaret. Um, I was driving down here four days a week and back in my home in Boston three days a week teaching. Uh, but I was determined to be part of her group. And sometimes I think maybe she was observing us as if we were in a biosphere. <laughs> <laughs> we were the experiment. Will this MFA work? And of course it did. After all these years, it's been quite a success. And it's all due to her creativity and her uh, belief in the importance of all of our work. Yeah, that's what one of the things that's come through in all of the talks that we've had about Margaret for this podcast is that she was very, gave sincere support to all the students and they felt it. Mm -hmm. How did you decide to join this MFA program? Well, I grew up in Bethel and then I went to school in Boston and graduated from BU Fine Arts and was involved right after college with an MFA program at the museum school at Tufts. And I was offered a job, art director of a private school in the Virgin Islands. Years later, I did spend time back uh, in my family home and pursued an MS degree because there was no MFA. <laughs> I didn't know that. It was helpful. 
Um, and I commuted to Harlem with my mom for a year, studying with Dr. Walsh. I love. He would be very happy I was making this effort today <laughs> in communication. So it wasn't that it was convenient for you, though. You had to commute three days a week or four. Four days. I stuck the dog in the car, and we drove down here. I had a little green um, Cherokee, um, burn green, fluorescent. And um, I would leave the dog with mom, and I was in my studio 7 a.m. till 11 p.m., four days a week. Mm. And we created our own studios, built our own walls. I had six foot high windows and uh, we had extra rooms to even do exhibitions, which she encouraged all the time. So mm -hmm. I, I actually had three different um, separate shows for my MFA. One was geared all towards 9-11 and... Uh, Another was uh, assemblages and other pieces, and then ornamental grasses. What was your first impression of Margaret when you met her? Let's see. Just really intriguing person and um, very dynamic, and someone who really had the reins of the program under control, followed by... John Wallace behind her and Bob Alberetti. Now, Bob Alberetti, I had known uh, since the 70s, and I had actually uh, filled in teaching a ceramics course for him when Mary Lou had a child. Mm. <laughs> so it was a close knit. Yeah. Yeah. So you were already a working artist and teacher of art. Is that what you're doing now? Yes, uh, right now. However, with the pandemic, um, I'm actually involved in a creative tribe group through Mark Twain Library. So we meet once a week on Tuesdays and share Julia Cameron's books, Vein of Gold, Artist's Way. We take a chapter a week, and it's very helpful uh, in a time where I find it actually very difficult to just simply produce work. I listen to the news. There's so many deaths. I've experienced a lot of loss, some directly from COVID and not an easy time to paint. Mm -hmm. uh, but together, um, we all seem to work, work well. And, uh, you know, hopefully I'm going to suggest a mural for our smaller sanctuary at our synagogue. Oh, that's because, great. You know, mural programs, if you see a lot of them, you know, during the Works Progress Administration, yep. it was during a time of struggle and change. And maybe, you know, if a mural is produced, and it would be a group effort, it would involve a lot of people and a lot of ideas, but it would be a document and a record of this time period, which I hope is not reflected again in the future. You uh, told me a nice story about the last time you saw Margaret. <laughs> well, Adam Broderick's in Southbury. I love Southbury. I've been going there since the 70s when my girlfriend moved there. And so we were seated next to one another at Adam Broderick's having our uh, hair shampooed. And then... Uh, with our hair all wrapped up in turbans, we just shared a laugh and it was so good to see her. I hadn't seen her in quite a long time. And, uh, you know, then I thought, I, as you can tell, I have not been to the hairdresser at all. He, my hairdresser is a uh, ultra marathoner, so I believe he's healthy, but you know, it's, it's a risk taking to even go to the beauty salon. Mm -hmm. And so there's that idea. And then the idea that the knowledge that that was the last time I would see her. Uh, very upsetting uh, when I heard the news. Right. And partly you haven't seen her because of the pandemic and uh, 
I don't, it was a coincidence that you were there that same day, right? Right. It's a nice way to uh, for a last um, last meeting together, though. So we could share. <laughs> well, um, sure. <laughs> it sounds like just like all the other people we've talked to, other former students of Margaret said she really had a lasting impact on you. That something that you think about and remember, and um, uh, that you can trace to some of your work now. Oh, so much of my work, really, uh, because I started doing ornamental grasses, and I think I painted 400 paintings of ornamental grasses while I was studying with her, and uh, that's one of my themes. But then, after Westcott, I found out they were a bioenergy resource. So around 15 years ago, my paintings started to travel to bioenergy conferences in the Ukraine and Ireland, and uh, it's it's all due to her influence. I remember the first time we went out to the Og Center with her to paint on location, and that's when I found these grasses growing there, and they became my friends, and I watched them change the season, and they actually kind of spoke. They're whispering little rustles. Mm -hmm. so, uh, Margaret spoke the same way about her when she was in nature, too, and her communication with na with natural things that she painted. Yeah, and when you see, like, I, I well, meant to look up the name, but they're like barberry bushes and they're little red-shaped uh, reeds and mm -hmm. um, tangled vines. Every time I see that, there she is. Because yeah, she has that <laughs> complexity. Right, and forsythia too. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, cascading for Cynthia. Right. Well, that was very nice. Thank you for taking the time to talk about her with us. Well, thank you for asking me, and uh, may your memory be for a blessing. Chris Donnelly earned his bachelor's in art at Westcon and then returned eight years later for his MFA. He is another student who testifies to the lasting influence of Margaret's teaching. I, I first met Margaret uh, back in September of 
And that went on for a few days, but by the end of the, uh, the three days or whatever, uh, everybody knew each other's name. And, um, and that solidified a, a, a number of non-art majors and art majors uh, in, a, in just a, an incredible first experience of, of being in an a art class uh, run by this woman who um, had such a, a sense of freedom about her. Um, she was very, uh, I guess, I, I, compelling is like the only word that really comes to mind. Uh, uh, she just seemed to uh, be very in love with life, uh, even back then, and uh, and uh, nothing, you know, it, it, her her method of teaching, which I'll get to in a little while. Um, it just, you know, there was no no uh, demands or anything. Everything was sort of like a collaboration, you know, even then. So. Um, and when we went outside and did our outside thing, which for, for Margaret being in nature was a, which was probably preferable to being in an academic classroom, um, I was working on a, a tree. I was drawing a tree, and she happened by and said, uh, uh, many people have drawn that tree. And, and I just thought, wow, you know, it, it, it kind of made me think of how now I might realize it, that, that she had a uh, symbiotic relationship with, you know, uh, you know, something that was just very mundane for the rest of us, you know. Um, and even then I was, uh, uh, well, when I first came into the college, I, I was working very small. I, I, I typically did like these little one inch wargaming figures and that's how I, that's what I showed to, uh, my mentor. And, uh, and uh, so I was used to working small and, and everything, and, and she would come over to this large, you know, 18 by 24 piece of paper I was working on. And says, but it's too small. And I would say, well, no, it looks great small. And she says, oh, everything looks better smaller, you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, Adele, uh, Adele Segur broke me of that. Um, but still, um, she didn't, uh, she didn't have a, a, really a, a, a god um she didn't have a, a negative way of teaching she didn't have a um uh, uh she just everything seemed to be just flowing you know it was a very fluid uh fluidity uh fluidity uh method of teaching and uh and that meant that that classroom even years later, um, I, I never had another experience like it. Uh, everybody was very, uh, you know, tight and, uh, and into what we were doing and, uh, even the non-art majors and, uh, and it, it, it really set the tone for how I would teach a class if, if the time comes when I'm in a, in a, a university, uh, you know, running a, a drawing thing or whatever. Um, so I guess my first thing about Margaret was that, um, you know, she was really about community. She was built about building relationships. And, uh, and I think the idea was that building relationships with people was, you know, just as important as building a relationship with your work or the subject or, you know, whatever, you know, maybe out of uh, ignorance or naivety, I, I actually did not understand what she was doing at the time. Uh, it took, quite a few years for me to go back and even well after I was done with the masters, um, uh, you know, some years later, I still had to go back and kind of look at her work again. But, um, initially to me, it was very, um, chaotic. Uh, you know, I, I found it interesting that, you know, she's obviously a fine art painter, but, um, you know, to, initially I'm looking at everything from an illustrative standpoint. So um, I see the illustration in it, but I didn't really understand the relationship she was building with the colors and the, and the strokes and, and the subject matter. So um, when, um, when I did finally get it, um, it was really only after, um, you know, going to Europe and spending, you know, six weeks looking at other people's work and museums and stuff there where I could come back with a, a more clarified eye and say, oh, you know, I, I get it now. She's and and so the expression in her work 
um, and the choice of her palette, which was more about life and energy uh, more than anything else, I think, um, was was pretty evident, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think uh, based on the work that I saw coming out after she uh, um, sort of retired, I guess you could say, um, it, like many of the artist professors, it, they were doing their best work when they actually didn't have to teach classes anymore. You know, mm-hmm. you could see that. So, um, but again, I mean, purely out of a, a, a sense of ignorance or naivety, I, 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 it took me a long time to grasp what she was doing, you know? So, um, you know, Margaret, um, she taught from uh, one of what I would consider the pillars of, 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 of uh, the act of creating art. And uh, I, I feel like her, her pillar was, again, uh, a pillar of freedom, you know, mm-hmm. opposed to something like, you know, creating art from um, control, which would be something like um, A. Bechevaria with illustration or, or creating art from law, Polonia Nixon. Mm-hmm. Or creating art from chaos, which is Walter Belke, where's our sculpture teacher, and and so each one of those professors had something to um, put into the to, into the initial learnings of the student, but Margaret just seemed to be completely like in a world of her own. What are you doing now? Uh, I am uh, I'm finding myself drawing a lot of teddy bears. <laughs> I've been doing, I don't know, lately, I, I uh, you know, to be quite frank, I, I'm actually, uh, I found myself, I'm homeless right now. I'm in, I'm in huh. a uh, house for veterans, um, and uh, I am having to negotiate a very difficult time, but um, while most of my stuff is in storage, uh, what I have with me is my drawing table, my computer and my clothes and my art supplies. And that's all I need. You know, yeah. uh, the, the thing about, um, one thing was that Margaret said that the best time to create art is when you're at your highest highs or your lowest lows. Mm. And, I could not agree more. Uh, the, 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 the work that I'm doing now, even though I haven't posted any of it, is probably more technically proficient and more along the lines of what I would want to be doing um, than I have in probably the last 10 years, you know. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the sad thing about with this health crisis and COVID is that for an artist, it's actually a blessing. Uh, you know, as I said, most artists are introverts and to be given permission to stay home and work on your art is, is just a, an amazing gift, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, you know, uh, artists have really have no problem sit, staying in the studio all day if they can, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's largely what I'm doing. Um, and, uh, hopefully, uh, pretty soon I'll, I'll have some, some work to show and, and, and everything else. But, uh, uh, you know, much of of the of the stuff that I've picked up over the years is is uh, again from uh, people like Abe Echeverria and, and and Margaret Grimes, mostly Abe these uh, past few years. But um, Margaret has just always been that that corner foundation. You know, it, it, she would never go away, even if you you were never around. I mean, it could be two decades, and she'd still mm-hmm. be part of your your core, you know. Chris, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Is there anything we can do for you now? Uh, No, I'm, I'm actually in a great place mentally. I uh, couldn't have said the same last year, but uh, no, it's, it's, it's fine. Uh, uh, I, uh, I'm going to continue to work on my art and and, uh, try to (laughs) try to be successful with it. Uh, and, uh, I, I just want to say thank you for putting this podcast together uh, because, you know, Margaret had been around since the, the early to mid seventies, uh, with, with, you know, most of the, the, mm-hmm. the professors over there. And, uh, she was just such a champion for our, for our art programs. Uh, 
but uh, yeah. yeah, no, this is this is nice though. I appreciate the uh, the invite. Meg Martin is teaching and enthusiastically creating art ten years after graduating from the program. She also worked for Margaret as an assistant in her studio. Here are her recollections. I finished the MFA program at Westcon in 2012 um, with Margaret, and I think that was the end of her being full-time there. So yes. we got to experience uh, the end of that, which was great. And um, I mean, it was a great program. And I, you know, I appreciate it more the further I get out of it. So now I'm almost 10 years out of graduate school and I'm at a point where I've I've shown and I've done, you know, workshops and classes and residencies and things with people who have nothing to do with the Western Connecticut art community. And, uh, you know, it's like the more I experience, uh, the more I feel like I was so well prepared and I feel so grateful. And also I find that people know the program, <laughs> you know, right. people, from, they're aware of it and, you know, it has this wonderful reputation and I think that was all that was all Margaret <laughs> mm -hmm. so. yeah I agree how did you decide to choose Western the MFA program here over others I was like a local person so I was and I think I was maybe the only one in my class who was um who I had done my undergraduate at Westcon too and I just kind of stuck around um but I mean other people in my class they had you know moved here from from all all over the place. So I was, yeah, I was a, a state, state person. I mean, mm -hmm. And you're a working, fully working artist, right? You're full time, aren't you? I teach, I do, I teach, um, but yeah, I do. I paint as much as I can and I, um, yeah. And I'm, yeah. Well, teaching is uh, being an artist too, right? If you're teaching I think art. So. Yeah. 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 And uh, what do you, what did you learn in the program that you uh, carry on now that you think about? Well, I mean, a lot. I think that <laughs> to just work as much as you can and to paint mm -hmm. as much as you can. And there were, I mean, there are a lot of things that, that Margaret would say that would stick with me and still do. But I think that, you know, we, uh, you know, we were taught well and we, we know how to, to just how to make things that are solid and, and, you know, well-crafted and, you know, I mean, technical things like that. Um, you know, when we show with other people, you really see that, that like we, we learned, you know, the right way to do things. Um, but also I think that the speakers that we had and the visiting lectures that we had, uh, and that was all arranged by Margaret. So through the program, I remember I got I had two critiques with William Bailey and the second one of which, I mean, he said something to me that I still think about when I paint. So I was really grateful for that. Um, having the, those kinds of people, there are other great Judy Glantzman and Stanley Lewis and people who would come in and see our work. Um, and that was a great thing to do. Um, so I remember that from the program a lot with the speakers. Also, we had our trips. She would drive, Tony would drive the van into, into New York every other week or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that was, that was great. And we would go to galleries and we would, <laughs> Margaret was very, um, she'd tell us where we could go and where we couldn't go. And it was very, you know, very directed. And I remember being a student and thinking that was ridiculous. But now, again, it's like now I, I appreciate that because, you know, she didn't she wouldn't pander to you. You know, if you were, you know, she would if you, you know, she knew more than you did. as a student. Mm -hmm. She wasn't going to, you know, uh, you know, try to meet your, you know, whatever. So there's a lot that uh, that I appreciate, uh, especially looking back on it. Yeah, that's very interesting. She was was a very direct person and um it sounds like you were friends with her as well as a student of hers but that you weren't uh, intimidated by her and that you were able to discuss things with her oh yeah yeah no she became a great friend of mine after i graduated um and that was a good experience too it didn't have anything really to do with my time at, at westcon but uh, I started working for her after I graduated, just helping her with her inner studio. Um, and I did that right up until recently. So, and that was a great time in her life to be with her because she was really painting full time. And um, 
really able to devote a lot of her time to painting. And she had a lot of um, really significant professional accomplishments in that time. She had some really great shows and uh, she got a purchase prize at the National Academy. And uh, and she was really generous with um, sharing those experiences with me. You know, if she would have a show somewhere, she would kind of like ask somebody, the person at the gallery to look at my work. And, you know, when she got into the National Academy, she was recommending other people. She was very, when th good things happened to her, she was very eager to extend that to, mm -hmm. to the people around her. Um, we also, we were, we were together for a couple years, probably like 2013 or so. We were on the exhibition committee at the Washington Art Association, I remember. And Margaret, she just recommended a ton of WestCon graduates to the point where I think they didn't even like listen to her anymore because it was just like <laughs> always. But she really, you know, she really wanted to use any sort of station that she got to, to help other people, especially people who she felt were serious about painting. That was really, really important to her. Describe her art for us from your perspective. From my perspective, I, you know, it's funny. I would see, and I would see the painting sometimes in her studio in the stages of development. And so I would recognize how she had to work quick. So for as much as there was this, a lot of layers and the paint would get very thick and it would look like it was built up over a long period of time, she was really concerned with the changing of the seasons. And she always was trying to race before the motif changed. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of times I would stop by in the morning and then again in the, you know, five o'clock and I would see how much she'd gotten done in a day. And it was pretty impressive. I mean, she, she would work really fast, even though they look really worked on. Um, but I think it was about for her, um, just looking and being present with with um, with your motif. And I don't know if it, I mean, I never saw her work on a painting other than the painting of the, the trees. And I know she did other things before, but, um, but in some way, I don't know if it really mattered what it was. It was more about just connecting to your subject and having this, you know, almost like this meditative experience of just just being very present and looking very hard and responding um, to, to, to an experience and translating a personal experience um, onto the, the canvas with, I think, as much integrity as you can, which is kind of the goal of every perceptual painter. You, you know, it's not, I don't know if she was really unique in that sense, but she was serious about it. And she worked really hard. Uh, she painted a lot. <laughs> I mean, I think that it says something that she didn't change her motif for so long. She was still really interested. And I, re I remember like the last paintings that she was doing and she was real. there were things that she was excited about capturing. And it was, I mean, and that's, you know, I think that if you're really with it, if you're really serious about painting to the point where it becomes like a, you know, like a religious thing sort of where it's just like, like it doesn't, you, you'll have that experience where you just, you have to go paint and you have to go, there's something that makes you so excited and you can't wait to get up in the morning and work on it immediately. And that's what she would do. And, uh, you know, and, and she found that she, with the, with the trees, I don't think she ever expressed any desire to move on to anything else that was never, that never ceased to inspire her at any point. Hmm, thank you for that. And where are you in your career now? What are your next steps? <laughs> I don't know. Trying to, I don't know. Um, I'm just trying to paint a lot and trying to, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, be in the studio as much as I can. Mm -hmm. I teach as an adjunct and uh, I, I'm grateful to have that in COVID uh, and I'm grateful to teach online in COVID. So things are, things are pretty good, but uh, yeah, I just want to be in the studio a lot. And uh, that's all that I am really concerned with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tony Zatzik was a student in the program and became Margaret's assistant for many years. Like the other former students, he continues to work in the art field and to feel Margaret's influence. Tony, you worked 
for Margaret as her assistant. I mean, you were the uh, muscle behind the brains there, right? In the uh, MFA program for a long time. That's an interesting way to put it. Yeah, that 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 fits. I'll I'll put that shoe on. <laughs> you can correct me or add to it. Um, well, you know, I first met Margaret um, uh, when she was a visiting artist in Ar Arkansas. We had a mutual friend, a uh, artist who had invited her down to be a guest lecturer and critic uh, at a, it was um, Hendricks College, I believe, in Conway, Arkansas. And I was living in Little Rock and I was looking for an MFA program to attend. Um, and I met Margaret there and she saw me and my work and we spoke. I heard her lecture and I was impressed with uh, her take on painting and specifically landscape painting, which was a passion of mine. And uh, it seemed like a good fit. Uh, after that, I, I made application to uh, Western and was admitted um, to the class of 2004. So in 2002, um, I attended Western as a grad student and um, how to say, uh, you know, things went well. And uh, after, as you were saying, I, I did eventually become the assistant to the program and hung around for many years longer than just my term as a student. But I began as a student. That was my connection with Margaret and with the program as was as a student of hers. Um, and, and, you know, I was struck by her uh, powerful intelligence. I mean, she was a really smart lady and she was very insightful into something that I was very passionate about, um, which was painting the landscape. And she really helped me turn the corner in my mind as an artist um, in how I approached what I was doing. And then the program itself that she had put together was invaluable for me um, in advancing my own work. Um, so that when I did uh, graduate, um, you, you know, I had almost become invaluable to her and just, I got a sense and a feel for what, um, you know, what it took to do what the program needed. And, um, you know, she brought me on board that way. And, and then, you know, I was more than happy to, um, you know, help her advance the program because the program had done so much for me. I really benefited greatly from that experience. Mm -hmm. From my observation of the time, she really relied on you. It, um, I think she felt like it would have been much, much more difficult to run the program and give the students everything they needed without you there to support and help her. And you seem to have a good, strong relationship. You, uh, she would uh, tease you sometimes, or you know, be strict acting, and you uh, let it slide. Hey, let me just say, um, you know. Uh, the thing about Margaret is she was very real. She was very, um, you know, as well as being, you know, very uh, intelligent and talented and um, able to navigate the halls of academe, as it were. She was also very down to earth and just liked to have fun. She was playful and, and really enjoyed life and living, you know, that's, you know, like if you're called to become an artist, there's, there's a part of you that really doesn't have a choice. You're, you really enjoy uh, that creativity and the making of art. And uh, she never really got away from that, even as she was, you know, working and teaching 
and running a program, she at at her core was was playful and and you know so she would play strict, but at the end of the day she knew how to have a good time. Yeah. You know, I first met Margaret when I was an editor at the News Times, a local paper, and she would call me up and say, okay, you should do this story about the uh, MFA program. And we did do some stories, but we never did as many as she wanted us to. So I first thought (laughs) (laughs) when I came to WestCon and the PR role, I felt she kind of looked askance at me. Did she ever say, Oh, you know, that Paul seems okay, but I really wish he'd work harder or do more for the program or anything like that. I, you know, it, it, honestly, there's so much water under that bridge now, Paul. <laughs> I, I would be hard-pressed to remember accurately the details of any, any conversation along those lines. Um, she genuinely wanted to push that program down the road. And, um, you know, she was wily. She would do what she, she would do what she needed to do to get the job done. And, um, you know, I, I as her assistant, you know, I just, sometimes I'd sit back and get the popcorn and just watch. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is how we're doing it. All right. Um, so, you know, but I think that I think that really, you know, that's the sort of the nature of arts and academe. Like you're as an artist, you know, like it's not like it's the most important subject in let me put it this way. To an artist, it's all that there is. It is the most important thing, hands down, no question. But in an academic environment, you really do have to sort of validate yourself to the to people who maybe don't understand the arts. And so it, she knew how to use the media to promote, because if all of a sudden, if she says something's great or you invite someone in to look at the program, that's all well and good. But at the end of the day, you know, it's academe. So you've got to have something published. And the more print you got, the more the administration would be supportive because you were making them look good. Mm-hmm. So she really understood the power of, of good press and was really went after it with all she had because she knew it was her lifeline to keeping that program going. Like that's just how the game was played as far as I could tell. Right. So I, I, I I very much respected that. I, I thought, wow. Okay. Especially in a time when, you know, arts and creativity get marginalized so much, especially in the, you know, the business school, the sports teams, you know, like just carving out a little niche in that. And also the music program was really uh, strong there at Western. So Mm -hmm. she really like had to do what she had to do to get, get the attention, the light shined on her program, her students to, you know, to keep the funding and all that, you know, that's just. Hmm. And what are you doing now? Are you in art? Oh my God. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm talking to you from uh, just South of Cancun. Hmm. Um, I am a, how do you say, I mean, for lack of a better term, um, refugee, um, I was on tour when uh, the COVID uh, hit in March. I had a, a, a so my, my dimension for creativity um, veered into um, uh, spirituality, yogic practice, um, and I've you know been a recording artist for the past um, I think 2007, so about like 13 years. Um, so I've got a number of um, 
you know, meditation CDs out um, with yogic mantra. Mm -hmm. um, I'm doing, you know, a lot of uh, my own audio production, uh, that kind of thing. And um, I was on tour when um, the COVID happened and all of my tour dates got canceled on the West Coast, all through the country, all through, um, all through Canada. We had a huge tour. Um, and so I'm down here um, with my, my companion, my partner, um, and all, musical and life partner. And um, she's incredibly talented, has a beautiful voice. And we just said, okay, time to get out of the USA right now. Um, and so that's where I'm just kind of sitting this out. We're working on various projects. Um, uh, I'm working on a book on creativity and consciousness, which incorporates, um, well, how to say, really highlights the importance of creativity as a uh, as a survival skill in the 21st century, and how to access that creative part of the mind to um, to transform whatever business you're in, whatever life situation you're working on. The key to it all is your ability to be creative. I think people look at WestCon in general and its programs as uh, they would rate them more towards the minor leagues, but Margaret based her based the construction of the MFA program on that at University of Pennsylvania, where she went for her MFA. And as you say, it's close to we're close to New York. How do you judge the program? You have a very broad artistic background. You're qualified to judge this program and state where it sits in the hierarchy of MFAs. Uh, you know, a program's only as good as its people. Mm. The people are what make the program. Um, the, the quality of the faculty, the quality of the visiting critics, the quality of um, the students, you know. It's the facilities come and go. But, you know, like if you've got great people, you can do great things in any space. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I, I haven't I'll be 100 percent honest. I really haven't been keeping tabs on things mm -hmm. um, since I left. Um, I, I, you know, went in uh, in my own direction, which is uh, I'm, you know, more based off the West Coast now. Um but uh, during the time I was there, I met and interacted with a lot of great artists. Um, you know, Don Kimes comes to mind. Um, oh, God, uh, what was her name? The uh, Susanna Coffey uh, is a really well-known, highly respected artist. Um, we had, uh, you know, Kajori came through. Graham Nixon came through the New York Studio School energy was brought up there. We had people from all kinds of great, uh, great institutions and of great reputations come through and talk with us to the students um, and great illustrators as well. You know, um, oh, oh uh, Michael, oh, the sci-fi guy, what's his name? You know who mm. I'm talking about, uh, Whalen, mm. Michael Whalen, very famous illustrator. Um, Kanika Kraft, uh, you know, Abe brought in great people um, to that aspect of the program as well. Um, you know, I think for, for what it was and, you know, what you paid to get through there, which, you know, compared to your higher end schools, I felt very satisfied with mm the opportunities that I had and the people that I met, um, uh, you know, like that was, that was great. Mm -hmm. That was fantastic. Uh, you know, did I get the, 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 you know, the, the Ivy league branding to go with it? No, I didn't. You know, I'm not a member of the Yale mafia, but that's <laughs> a whole nother ball of wax. I mean, that's a real thing, right? Yep. If you, yes. if you walk out with, 
with Yale on your on your resume, someone's going to give you a job somewhere. Automatic, like right. that's just the academic. That's just the unspoken truth of uh, of at the academic world. If you've got Harvard or Yale or Princeton on your res, you're you're gonna get a gig over somebody who may or may not be as talented or more talented than you. It really doesn't matter if you. Why? Because the schools want to be it. They want. When prospective students go, they want you to look down and see so-and-so MFA Yale, so-and-so MFA, you know. So, yeah, but you got to pay for that privilege. That's if you're if you're one of the fortunate who are able to beg, borrow or steal your way into one of the six slots or whatever they've got for that semester, you know, out of 1,500 applicants, I don't know. Like, that just never happened for me. So I was just grateful to get the the real deal, the information, and get out and not be in debt for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, I got a real... Um, one of the things that Margaret did so well and conveyed so well was... Uh, she really understood the importance of uh, of making art. That it really was the fundament and making good art, not just phoning it in, but like what you have to go through as an individual committed to doing this for real, not. Again, not phoning it in, not doing it halfway, but really what the difference is between just, you know, doing something on the surface good enough to maybe sell it or, or you know, but really on the highest level, stuff that, that belongs in the museums, in the fine galleries, you know, what that gap is and how to bridge it. You know, just there's a lot of average out there. And and uh, Margaret was always pushing people to be excellent. And I think that went for the program as well. There was an excellence in the program. And you guys are still running that program today. Yes, absolutely. That was a very nice way to uh, wrap up. A nice tribute to Margaret. Well... You know, she deserves it. She mm-hmm. she did a lot for for the people that um, she taught over the years, mm-hmm. and that was you know incredibly solid. Um, one other thing, I will say this though, that I just want to add one last thing. It was so she was very famously Irish with her red hair. Both right. her and her daughter have that flaming red hair. And she was very proud of this. And it was also a personality. She really had that flair and that, uh, you know, joy for life. Um, but she also had that, you know, the the stubbornness too, right? You know, you didn't want to get in the way of her if if um, if you weren't in agreement. She, you That's know, right. You could really lock horns. You could really lock horns with her. Um, but I will say this. I was... Um, I don't even remember where we were. We were in a hotel room, um, and it was the day before I heard of her passing, like her pass. And suddenly, out of nowhere, I was I was playing, I was playing my guitar, and suddenly, I was singing "Old Lang Syne." Hmm. You know the one. Yeah. May old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind. And, and it just came through me, and I said, where did that come from? And I had, it was really, it was a powerful, powerful, very emotional moment where this song just came through me, and I didn't understand it, and I didn't know why, and I didn't know where it came from. And then the next day I got the news mm-hmm. and I said, Oh, that was Margaret. That was Margaret. She, she, um, she came to see me in that song. She, 
her energy was definitely, it was very present. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that beautiful Irish spirit, uh, you know, joyful and fighting to the end, you know, mm -hmm. just the, and I said, okay, all right, fairly well and journey, journey on. Um, so I, I have a deep fondness uh, for Margaret in that time of my life and those experiences, because it really helped shape me and set me on the path uh, for where I'm at today, where I, you know, make my, I, I make my living. I am, I am a, uh, I am an artist. Okay, Pete, so we've decided we're going to come back for one more podcast just to wrap up the year, right? Yeah, next week. We need to do something to memorialize the constant crisis, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one more time, let's keep talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so until next week, I'm Paul Steinmetz with Pete Puccio and at WCSU. At WCSU is a production of WCSU Media, engineered by Peter Puccio and produced by Scott Volpe. Listen and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at WCSU Media and on the university's Facebook and Twitter pages. And feel free to reach out to us by email at podcasts at wcsu.edu. Thanks for listening.